dream big. That thing that you want to do to help others, that itch, that's God's proof to you. Fear has a very concrete power of keeping us from doing our purpose. But people who are running toward their dreams, life has a special kind of meaning. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Hey, Mountain. Good to see everybody. Welcome. Let's give a welcome to everyone at all of our campuses. We just welcome everybody in. Abingdon, Edgewood, Bel Air, Mountain Road, online. Did I forget anybody? Glad you're with us, uh, whoever you are. Okay, so a pirate walks into a bar. And he's a regular there, but the bartender's surprised. He sees him and says, what happened to you? He says, what do you mean? And he says, well, for starters, you didn't used to have that peg leg. And he says, ah, I was at a battle at sea, and a cannon blew me leg off. But the ship's surgeon fixed me up, and I'm as good as new. Arr. So he says, well, what about that hook for a hand? You never used to have that hook for a hand. He says, ah, I was another battle at sea, and a mate jumped aboard and lopped me hand off. But I got it fixed up with his hook. I'm as good as new. He says, what about that patch? You never used to have a patch on your eye. He says, ah, that was a seagull flying overhead who pooped in my eye. He says, pooped in your eye? That, that, that can make you go blind? He says, no, that was the same day I got me hook. <laughs> yeah. Some of you are still thinking, let's see, how does that connect to the eye? Hey, how's your vision? How's your vision? What if, what if you could see with both eyes wide open what God sees? What, what if you could look at the world more the way God looks at, the world, at people? What if you could look at your life that way? Like you could really see with no patches on. You could see your life, your marriage, your home, your family, your, where you work, the neighborhood you live in through God's lenses and really see. What, what, what if you had dreams that were the same as God's dreams for all of that? You know, God's dream is something that, that God wants, that you also want, but that you can't do without God. We've been using that phrase, what if, around here a lot lately as we've been kind of saying it's time to dare to dream, to, to dare, to take the risk to actually dream in a way that we would see our lives and this church the way God does. So we've been leaning into that. And as leaders uh, over the last uh, little while, we've been trying to figure out what the dream is for our church as much as you might be trying to figure out what the dream is for your life. You know, in the year 2024, which is not that many years away, Mountain's going to be 200 years old. And as we get ready to celebrate that 200th anniversary, we've been trying to say, what's the fresh vision, the God dream that you might have for us? Let's, let's dare to dream again. I mean, it's amazing. When you ask, you know, who do you want me to be? What do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? When you ask that or we ask that, I believe God answers those questions. Who do you want us to be? What do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? He keeps leading us to this passage in the book of Isaiah. I, and it was written to God's people when they were at a really low point, kind of discouraged and deflated. They were kind of beginning to conclude that their best stuff was behind them already and that maybe they were mostly done 
They were living in exile. You know, they had been pushed out of the land they loved and were comfortable with and were kind of living in an area that wasn't home, really. Deflated and kind of discouraged. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've had a time in your life, maybe you're there right now, where you kind of feel like you, you just remember how good it used to be in a certain area of your life. Or you, you know, feel like you're living a little bit in exile, like not where you want to be whether with your marriage or your job or some friendships or, you know, something else in your life. And honestly, we felt a little bit that way as a church, like floundering a little bit like, okay, what's next, God? All this history, but what's next? And so we kept coming back to this Isaiah passage. And the powerful and beautiful thing about the Word of God is that it is not just a powerful word for a bunch of people a long time ago, but that we believe it has power and clarity and meaning for us today. So as you think about your life and your what-ifs, and as you think about the church that we're part of together, let's lean in and hear what the Word of God says. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. God says, I'm not done with you yet. You're going to need a bigger tent. Tent was a sign of God's blessing, right? It was a sign of God's favor. Like, in fact, your family was a big measure of how good things were for you. Remember when God promised Abraham, I'm going to bless you, uh, and then you're going to be a blessing to others. And the way I'm going to do that was measured in the number of descendants you would have, the size of your family. And so when God says, you know what, you better get a bigger tent, he's saying, get ready because I'm about ready to do something really amazing in and through you. More people are are meant in God's dream to sort of come around the table of his provision. He wants us to spread the canopy of his blessing over more people who can enjoy what God wants to serve up as we stretch, strengthen, and spread. I love that passage. I love what it says because it turns in my spirit. It's God saying, I'm about to do a new thing. Are you ready for that? Ready for God to do something new in your life? And in our church, what if he did? Would you be ready for that? God's, call, God's calling us to dare to dream. And remember, that, remember the verse. It says, stretch, strengthen, and spread. It's like a preacher's dream. You got, you got a perfect outline right there, huh? I love it. Stretch. Let's look at those. Stretch. We're not just going to stretch the tent flaps to include more, but to stretch our faith. We all need to have our faith stretched. That's how you grow. And to stretch our hearts and our hands toward more people than ever. But also then to strengthen, like to strengthen and grow up and get more mature as we move more to the core, more on that in a minute. Why? In order to spread God's blessing by expanding our impact from like Rosedale to Rising Sun up and down the 95 corridor. Stretch, strengthen, and spread. Talk about stretch a little bit is where we began. And stretch is really this idea that, that we're stretching our faith in God and, toward, toward, and, and, and our hearts and our hands toward people who are far from God toward people who are right now not living their lives under the tent of God's favor, blessing, and truth. So we want to stretch our hearts. And remember, when Luke talked about this, he reminded us that the goal is that you and I would stretch our hearts to match how far and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ. What if your heart stretched 
to love people like Jesus really loves people? What, what, if, what if your heart loved like that? What if God was going to do something amazing through your life and through all of us together that was just so big and scary and audacious and reached people that if God wasn't in it, we would be sure to fail? You probably know someone who's close to you but far from Jesus. They have a relationship with you, but they don't have a relationship with God. What if God was calling you to stretch yourself, your faith, out of your comfort zone so that you could contribute to an amazing story where they come to find a home under the tent, their feet under God's table because of you, where you're personally involved, you build relationships, you, you open your house for meals, you, 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 you stretch outside the realm of your comfort zone and present faith limits to truly love and care like Jesus. Stretch. And then strengthen. We talked about that last week. Really important. If you, if you haven't caught that yet, I urge you to go back and, and catch that because strengthen is so important. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. And then what does he say? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus says, I want me a strong church, which means Jesus wants a stronger you. We believe God's calling our church to get stronger, and that means he's calling all of us to get stronger and to be strengthened in our faith. He's not particularly seeking, you know, casual Christians who are nominally involved and just don't really care that much about them, but he's looking for those who are going to, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, stand firm, right? Because you're strong. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm and let nothing move you. Stand firm so when a little doubt or discouragement happens in your life, or when a little temptation or trial or testing comes, or, or when there's a little persecution or a little pain, you don't give up and wiggle and wobble and waver and run away. You, you're going to stand firm because, because you're like a tree planted by streams of living water. Your, your, your roots go down deep and you're, you're strong. You can stand firm. That's what we're after. That's what God wants to see. He says, I want me a stronger church, which means got to have a stronger you. And the reason we need to be strengthened is so that we can stretch. You never stretch to reach new things if you're not strong enough to do so. But if you, if you get stronger, means you're going to become more like Jesus. And if you're more like Jesus, you're going to care more about people who are far from him. So strengthening leads to stretching, doesn't it? And you can't stretch until you do strengthen. See how they all go together? And that's how we move more to the core. You remember more to the core... Is just a simple idea. We diagram it this way. At the center of every church is Jesus, right? He's the source and the destination for all of us. And then close to him, at the, near the center of every church, are people that we'll just call the committed. These are people who've said yes to Jesus and they're doing their best to love God, love people, and serve the world. You can tell when you look at their lives because they're often like in a group connected with other believers. They're often serving somehow in a real tangible way. They're often very generous with their time, their talent, and their treasure, pushing toward the mission. They're committed to Jesus and his church. And outside of that, there's another group of people, and we'll call them the crowd. And that's a group of folk that, that are, they would say, Mountain's my church home. They're in some relationship with Jesus, but there may be less connected or committed to Jesus and the mission. You can tell because they're often not in a group. They're often not necessarily serving somewhere. They're maybe not as generous with their time, their talent, and treasure toward the things of God. But they're in, on a relationship with Jesus, and they're, they're, they're moving. And then outside of that is everybody else. 
and, and, and from, from Rosedale to Rising Sun and to the ends of the earth out here, I'm not even going to draw another circle because there's really no limit to it. And, and the point is, every one of us needs to be honest and say, where are you? And know this, that wherever you are, it's okay right now. I mean, you're welcome here. But that everyone, whether you're an antagonistic atheist or an indifferent agnostic or a sort of curious but cautious seeker or someone who's just moved over the line of faith and you're a brand new baby Christian or a developing Christian or someone who's a maturing, reproducing disciple pouring into others, doesn't matter where you are, what God wants to see happen is this. All of us moving to the core, more to the core. More to the core. So here's the million-dollar question for you. Wherever you are, it's not so important your location. What's important is your direction. Are you moving toward Jesus? Are you moving toward Jesus? Really, really important question. That's why we have rooted. That's why we have groups. It's why, why we encourage everyone to open our hearts, our hands, our our wallets, our our calendars, our relationships, our priorities to God, because that's how we grow. That's how we're going to get stronger. And Jesus wants a stronger church, which means he wants a stronger you. And all of that leads where? Stretch, strengthen, what's left? Spread. That's what we want to talk about today. Spread. Stretch, strengthen, and now spread. Spread. What are we talking about? Because here's the deal. When you get stronger, you will want to stretch more. And when you stretch, you're going to end up growing and spreading. I, I, I've given up on GIF. Um, if you've ever read the table of contents, you'll realize it's mostly sugar. So I converted to natural peanut butter, which is really hard at first because it's really bad at first and very oily and gross. But you stir it up and it ain't so bad you get used to it. And now I love nothing more than to take a big old glob of peanut butter on my, I almost called it a sword, on my (laughs) knife, get a piece of toast, and what am I going to do? I'm going to put it on there. What am I going to do? Spreading. I'm covering the whole thing, right? Spread. When Carla messes up the bed, as she does every single night, you can probably, you're probably guessing I make the bed most days. So I, I get that. I take the top comforter and I do what? I spread it. It's called the bed what? Spread, right. Hey, I lost the, the diamond out of my wedding ring. It's so small, I can barely see it. Micro, I got it out of a gumball machine like 30 years ago. So it's no wonder it fell out finally. But hey, at every campus, I'm not sure where I lost it. So would you all just get up, spread out, get on your hands and knees, and let's just cover, let's look for that diamond. See if we spread out. You see the idea of Spread. You, you cover an area, you, you spread, you move, you grow, whether you're talking about peanut butter or, or diamond finding. Jesus said, the reason the Father sent me, he says, was to seek and to save the lost. So he's going to spread the good news that God is bringing his kingdom to come. Jesus says, that's why I came, to spread it. He didn't set up shop and build a building and say, okay, come find me. If you want hope, come see me. If you want to hear a good sermon, come see me. You know what? Jesus went and he did what? He spread by showing and telling the kingdom of God that God was up to something. And then he comes to us and he says, now I'm sending you. Friends, if you follow Jesus, you are sent 
to spread the good news of Jesus like peanut butter on toast. That's your job. That's, that's what God called us to do. We're on mission. You're sent. Jesus says, you're the light of the world, so don't hide it under a bucket. Let it spread. That's the whole purpose. So we talked earlier just in the service about the Great Commission. These are Jesus' words. This is, this is Matthew chapter 28. This is where Jesus has died, he's risen, and he gives us a great commission now. And remember, these are the words he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus told you to do. So I'm not talking about what you want to do or what you think Christians usually do or what, what churches are known for. I'm talking about if you want to follow Jesus, this is what he told you to do. Spread. All nations. That's like the whole world. That's like if, if the universe is a piece of toast, that's what Jesus is saying. Let's spread the whole thing. And he goes on to say what's that going to look like, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and he promises I'll be with you in the spreading, even to the end of the age. One thing you may not notice about this verse is that when you look at it, there's only one imperative in this verse. There's only one actual command, and it's not go. The actual command, you know what it is? Make disciples. Go and introduce people to me so they can follow, learn, and love, and obey me too, like you do. So spread. But this word go in the Greek grammar, it's kind of hidden in the English language, but it actually is a tense that means as you are going. Isn't that interesting? As you are going, spread, make disciples. As you are, you're already going somewhere. And as you live your life, as you're going to, to school, as you're going shopping, as you're going to the mall, as you're, as you're going to work, as you're going to a neighborhood cookout, as you're going to soccer practice, as you're not going to school because the weatherman saw three raindrops and they cancel it, whatever, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, be on mission. Let your light shine. Let them see and hear Jesus spread, unleash love here and there. Say it however you want, but that's the mission. And then when they say yes, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're, you've just stretched. And then strengthen as well by teaching them to obey everything I'm commanded. And that's how you spread. Friends, this is right at the heart of what Jesus wants us to do. God put his love in Jesus and it spread. And now he put it in you and it's meant to spread. So what are you doing to spread the love of Jesus? Will there be anyone whose feet are under the table of God's blessing? Will there be anyone under the tent of God's love because of you? If everyone was on mission, the same as you, would we ever need to spread the tent flaps further? Or here's another question. What are you spreading? Because everybody's spreading something. Okay, you're contagious. So who are you? What are you? I mean, how you affect rubs off on others. Everything about everybody oozes and leaks and spills on people, right? It's like we're all got these, these walking viruses, right? So what are you spreading? There's a Christian guy. He drives bus for a living. And he just decided that's going to be kind of my mission field. I'm going to take it seriously as a ministry instead of just going to work and taking a paycheck. So he does his best to greet everyone with a smile. He kind of helps them with their bags. He, he's become friends with a lot of the regulars. He kind of just listens to their stories. He, he's like over and above kind of helpful and interested and goes the extra mile. And he starts to talk to people outside of work hours now and all kinds of stuff. You ask him about it. He says, I'm not driving a bus. I'm driving a sanctuary on wheels. 
God's there in that place. I'm the pastor of that bus. And we're just doing the best we can to spread the good news and love of Jesus. What are you spreading? There's another guy I know. He works at Home Depot. And when he goes to work, he says, that's my mission field. The people I work with and the people who come in the store, that's my mission field. So you ask me uh, I, what I do, I'll tell you. I'm a missionary for God, cleverly disguised as a hardware specialist at Home Depot. Okay? If you lived out your, what if you lived out your missionary calling? more boldly, and you really lived on mission, cleverly disguised as a whatever it is, as a lawyer, a doctor, a student, a homemaker, as a carpenter, or, or, or whatever it is. You're spreading something. What are you spreading? Jesus wants us to spread, and that means that you're going to be part of the spreading. See, sometimes I think what the problem is, is that we get so limited in our vision of what could be in our lives. We get so limited in what God could do if we just ask that what-if question. There was a farmer who was walking through his fields early, early in the, after the planting season. He was kind of admiring his pumpkin patch, and these little orange acorn-sized pumpkins had come up on the vine, and there they were, and he was just looking through it. And as he walked down the rows, he noticed there was this glass jar in the dirt. And so just on a whim, he kind of grabbed that glass jar, and then he took one of those little pumpkins still on the vine and just threaded it right into that jar and left it in the dirt and walked on forgot all about it. Months later, he's walking down those rows looking at his pumpkins. Now they're huge, beautiful orange, but they're ready just about. And he runs across that jar, and he's surprised to discover that the jar is filled up with that pumpkin that had grown to the size and shape of the jar, but no larger. Huge pumpkins all up and down the rows, and here's this one limited by the size of that glass container, about one-eighth the size of what it could have been, should have been. You ever feel like you live your life that way sometimes? Like the, the glass jars that hold us back, what are they? Like the fears, the lack of faith, the lack of imagination our expectations or what other people have done or said about us? What if there were no glass jars on the way you thought about your life and your God dream and our church and God's dreams? What if? What if there was no jar? Think about the way that the message of Jesus, for example, spread. The best place to do that is to look in your Bible in the book of Acts because that's when the church is brand new and begins. Go there with me. If you want to flip through, I'll show you something. I'm going to take you on a tour real quick. Check this out. So Jesus is there, right? He, he's, he, um, he's, he's resurrected, and then he gathers you know, a, a handful of disciples, just a handful. I don't know how many, uh, 50, 70, I don't even know. And Acts 1, 8, he kind of gives them a job. He gives them a charter. Here's what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And, and, and you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So that's the idea. There's no glass jar. You're going to go spread, and you've got my power to do it. And then he checks out, and he's gone. And then just a short time after that, the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up, and he tells them all about Jesus. And people from all over the world were there, and they're cut to the heart and say, man, what should we do? I want to say yes. 
And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2.41 says that, bam, right there, those who accepted that message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Bam, instant megachurch. First day of the church, it's 3,000 people. See the spreading? It's built and baked into the way God wants his church to roll. Just a few verses later, we learn in Acts 2.47 that God kept doing this. The Lord added to their number like every single day, just like not just the big bam, but also the trickle every single day. And by chapter 4, just a little while after that, verse 4, it says, Many who heard the message believed, and now the number of just the men grew to about 5,000. This thing is spreading. You see the, see the pattern? And it keeps spreading to new areas. They had the people called the Samaritans. They didn't want to mess with the Samaritans. They were outside of the region. They were unlike them. But the gospel went there and it spread until Acts 9.31 says that the church had peace throughout Judea, Samaria, and, and, and Galilee. So they stretched to those new areas. And then it says they also became stronger. So they strengthened. And guess what happened? When you strengthen and you stretch, what's going to happen? It spread. And the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. That's what we want to have true in our church right here. It spread to the coastlands. It went over to Syria, to Cyprus, Galatia, Phoenicia, Antioch, all kinds of places. It stretched even to the Gentiles then, right? If you look at Acts 13, after it spread to the Gentiles, here's what it says. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and rejoiced in Paul's message. And as many as wanted had eternal life believed. And God's message spread through that entire region. Friends, do you think this is only supposed to happen back in the old Bible times? Or do you think that's what God still wants today? You've got to decide that because that's going to decide the, the, whether you have a jar on your God dream or not. Does God still dream dreams like this? That's God's vision, that, that it would spread throughout a region. It keeps going. They keep going to new places. I love the second missionary journey comes next because that's when Paul goes to Greece. Let's hear it for the Greeks. See? Went to Greece. They stretched to those people. And then what happened? Acts 16, verse 5. The churches were strengthened as a result of that stretching. And guess what? They spread. They grew daily. Off to Macedonia, off to Asia. Here's the summary statement in Acts chapter 19, verse 20. In this way, the word of the Lord, what? Spread. It grew in power. That's what I think God wants to see happen today. God's got big dreams, y'all. For your life, for this church, for this region, for the ends of the earth. That's why I love how the book of Acts ends. It tells the whole story of the spreading. But there's all this opposition along the way. All these jars that they try to squeeze over the top of the pumpkin of the church. And you get this idea, man, nothing can stop the church, the word of God. It spread. They tried arresting him, persecuting him, and beat him up. And then Paul, he has a shipwreck. And then he's thrown in prison. And, and, and all this persecution, hardship, and confinement's going on. It says in Acts 28, verse 30 and 31, as it ends, that there Paul dwelt for two whole years in his own rented house. So he gets a house arrest deal, and he just, he just keeps working. He received all who came to him, preached the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. The last chapter, the last verse, the last word of the book of Acts telling the story of the church is spreading what's the last word unhindered and i love that you've heard me talk about it before it's just a reminder that you can't stop the spreading of god's good news if it's a god dream god's going to see it happen what if we believed that what if we lived like that like when you just talk to your friends you just say well you know 
God's going to do it. God's going to make happen what he wants to have happen so that whatever opposition or fear or persecution or challenge, there was no glass jar. There, there, was, there, there was a handful, like three disciples, and then 12, and then 120, and just a, a handful. 350 years later, there were 33 million. That's like 40% growth a decade for 350 years. That's what it looks like when God's dreams happen. And how do you explain that kind of explosive spreading? Well, when God, when God led, the church spread. So what about, what about us? What about Mountain, for example? Well, there's a guy named James McVeigh who showed up here, some say on horseback. And he said, we need to put a church here. Let's start a non-denominational church just for Christians. Put Jesus first and hang on to the Bible. Try to get along with everybody and, uh, and care about people who don't know Jesus. Started this thing called Mountain Christian Church. It was called the year 1824. And we've spread since then. We've grown. We've spread the tent flaps. We've lifted them up and driven them out and putting them in many times since then. Take a look at last year, for example. Here's 2017, just the basic growth. Here's attendance up here. You know, here's the attendance. Here's Easter. Here you all went to the ocean. Then some of you came back. That's how, that's, that's what happens around here. But four to 5,000 people. Look at last year, 2018, over 2017. Look at that, 22% growth. And, and, and you go back to 1984, you see this pattern has been happening from the beginning, 250, all the way up here to like 6,000 people last year. You know, God is continuing to, to spread. And so we had this method of, of building new buildings and adding new services, but you know what? Um, we came up with this idea. So, so here's, the, here's a map of where Mountain Road is, and James McVeigh helped us get started in a log cabin right there. And then a white building, and then another building, and then another building. But then in 2010, we said, what if, 186 years in this, what if we tried something new? What if God wanted to try this thing called multi-site? And that's when we launched this thing called Bel Air. And bam, all of a sudden, we have this Bel Air campus. Hey, Bel Air, we love you guys. Everybody cheer for Bel Air, okay? Hey, and by the way, if you haven't heard yet the news, of course, you know that Nathan and Aaron McDade are leaving to take another position um, in Indianapolis, Indiana. We love them. We're going to miss them. But they have set up our new campus pastor to succeed. And if you haven't heard yet, it's Kirk Bolin. And Kirk is going to rock it so well. We love Kirk and Amanda and their family so much. And uh, especially the friendship with Nathan. He just set them up to succeed. And good things are in store for Bel Air. But it was so successful at Bel Air, we said, what if, what if God wanted to do that again? And guess what? 2013, he led us to Edgewood. Hey, Edgewood, everyone get up for Edgewood. Edgewood came on right here. And of course, with Edgewood, we didn't just launch a campus. We started a community center as well called the Epicenter. And God's doing so many amazing things at Edgewood. It was so successful that again in 2017, the mountain people stepped up and we launched what? Abingdon. Let's give it up for Abingdon. We love you guys. And Abingdon's going great. And so what about now? Are we done? God says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch, strengthen, and spread. And don't be afraid. Spread the canopy of God's love. Friends, friends, there's, there's work to be done because there's thousands who are still living outside the tent flaps. And in the world we live in today, you know, I've told you before, the fastest growing religious group in your neighborhood where you live, you know what it is? The nuns. Those who don't have any declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. It's the fastest religious group. One, the people who say, I just don't care. 
We live on a mission field. We live in a little part of the world called the Northeast United States, which has about 2% of the land mass, but about 25% of the population and the highest percentage of unchurched anywhere in the nation. More people and a greater percentage of them that don't give a flip about what could happen for them under the canopy of God's blessing. And Jesus says, go. And as you're going, make disciples. Friends, we love this region. We long to see the kingdom of God come. We long to share what God has done in our midst. And that's why this vision is to spread up and down that 95 corridor. Pick a place. These are random because they start with the same letter. But we're talking Rosedale, Rising Sun, Washington, Wilmington, Elkton, Elkridge. I don't care. But up and down somewhere. And so what would that look like if we launched more campuses? Well, it would look like that maybe. And... We believe we're not only called to to launch new campuses, but what if we were also then simultaneously to plant new independent churches, churches that were on their own and could also plant new churches that plant churches that plant churches. In fact, years ago, we had a dream to launch 20 new churches in our region. And so far, we've got 16 of them. And that means over the next few years, between now and 2024, we need to plant four or five more. We've got them all over from Harlem to Philly to Wilmington and Baltimore and D.C., Towson, Annapolis, Bethesda, Frederick, Gaithersburg. You get the idea, and we need to get four more. Maybe some of you will go and be part of that. What if God got his way? What if we took the patch off and could really see what God wants to have happen? I think we'd see, we believe the vision is, as we enlarge the tent, to enlarge the tent to allow up to 12,000 people by the year 2024 all in face-to-face gatherings in small groups and growing and strengthening on their own so we can gather at six campuses instead of four and with a bunch of new church plants as well, all to the glory of God. What if? What if? You know, when I think about that question, what if, sometimes I turn it around in kind of a haunting way and ask the question, what if we didn't? What if we didn't do anything? That makes me think of Dawn. I got to see her just recently. We're good friends now. She used to hate me. Dawn grew up in a, in a rough situation, and by the time she was a young woman, she'd been kicked out of three churches. She tried, gave it her best. It didn't work out. First time for being pregnant when she wasn't married, and second time for asking really annoying questions, and the third time for confessing she wasn't sure what she believed anymore. And they showed her the door and said, come back when you get yourself cleaned up. She did leave and she walked away disgusted and sunk herself into her scientific mind and her medical profession as an angry, negative person hiding all those deep hurts. And that's the way she was living her life for a long, long time. One of her friends who goes to Mountain was having a major sort of experience with God and was so full of life, was ready to get baptized and invited Dawn to Mountain to come and see her baptism. Don's like, I hate preachers, I hate churches, but I love my friends, so I'll go. She was not expecting anything much to happen, but what did happen is somehow God showed up and just touched, touched her in a tender way when she was here, and she found herself weeping through the music and the worship and the gathering of God's people, and it was not what she thought God was like. It is not what she thought church was like, and it confused her and made her mad and scared and drawn to it all at the same time, like something inside of her, she said, was thawing out that needed to thaw and melt. And she came back, and she came back again, 
and again, and every time she did, something else would happen and change until she found herself going to welcome to mountain. She says, this is where I'll expose the whole sham. This is where I'll figure out that they're all hypocrites. And that's when Jesus said, are you ready? And she said, yes. And she got baptized after welcome to mountain that day. And she started a whole new life. And that woman has lived an amazing Christian life. She brought her husband, Larry, to the Lord. And now, and when they got, he got baptized, there was this power couple who've just helped so many other people stretch and strengthen and spread. And I ask myself, what if, what if there was no place for her? What, what if her friend had never invited her? What if we were the kind of church who said, get yourself cleaned up first? What if we weren't the kind of church for people who hate church? What if we weren't committed to stretching, strengthening, and spreading? What if? It, it, it ought to horrify us. Friends, we've got to dare to dream. What if God wanted to do something like that over and over and again and wanted to use you and me and all of us together to spread his blessing over the way it's supposed to look like it did in the book of Acts? What if? At a personal level, I just encourage you to to ask that question, what if? What if? These little boards are out at all of our campuses and they got little markers by them. I just encourage you today, before you leave, make this personal. Grab a marker and write something on the board. Maybe your own personal God dream. We've got some examples of what others have been doing in recent days to look at. What if? What if? What's the God dream that he's planted on your heart? What, what if God got his way in your life? What would you do if you weren't afraid? You know, when they interview people who are 95 years old and older about what they would do differently, the number one answer, you know what it is? Risk more. I would have risked more. What if we weren't afraid? And let me leave you with two words. As we wrap up this series and kind of think about this vision propelling us into the future, and we've got all these what-if questions out there, what if we thought more about the words as if? What if we lived as if God were alive and well and Jesus could do anything? What if we lived as if lives? Like if all of our dreams are only things we could do on our own strength, If the biggest dream you have is something you know how to pull off yourself, that's not a God dream. You're limited by the jar of your own strength and imagination. But in the Bible, people lived by faith. And it's our turn to live by faith. And the reason we don't sometimes is we get hung up on how, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. It seems like such a big dream that I don't know how. Guess what? When, the, when God visited the, uh, the, the Mary by an angel and said, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to give birth to a son. She's like, how's that going to happen? And the angel reminded her in the book of Luke, nothing's impossible with God. Listen, friends, how is not a problem for God. Don't get hung up on the how. You keep your focus on the what if, and then you live as if God could do it because nothing's impossible with God. As if, as if. Moses, take my people out. But how? There's a Red Sea in Pharaoh's army. I'll take care of the how. Feed these people. But Jesus, there's 5,000 of them. There's no Chick-fil-A. I'll take care of the how. Give me the kids' lunch. Peter, get out of the boat. Walk to me. But how? He did pretty well until he started asking how. And then he started to sink. Friends, keep your eye on Jesus and you won't sink. Keep your eye on Jesus and keep asking what if. And let's live as if lives. I don't know how, but I think 
God has not got a problem with the how. God can figure out a way to help you start that Bible study at work. He can help you know how to reach out to your neighbor. He can help your marriage. He can help your, your stuff with your business. He can help us figure out how to launch a bunch of new campuses, reach 12,000 people, and start new churches. I don't know how, but I believe we serve a God who's not really stuck or stumped by how. What if, what if, what if we lived as if lives? As if nothing were impossible with God. God, we ask for your help right now to have faith, to take the patches off our eyes, and to see the world as you see it. Help us to see our place in it. Help us to live as if lives. We pray this in the name, the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.